Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck. And today I'm sharing the mic with Sarah Noble. Sarah's a mystic spiritual guide, transformational coach, and host of the Modern Day Intuitive Podcast. And Sarah's mission is to help people better understand how to connect with our hearts and our own intuitive gifts so we can uncover our purpose and live our best lives. Welcome to the show, Sarah. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Nikki. It's so good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're tackling a big topic, what it means to trust your inner authority and why it's so important to be open to this type of self-exploration. So I thought a good place to start might be asking you to share a little bit about what led you to begin your own journey of self-discovery, because you've had quite a variety of life experiences that culminated in you really leaning into asking those hard questions of yourself and finding yourself where you are today. Thank you. Yeah. And as you say, there are, there's so many portals, as I like to call them, of these places where we can deepen that relationship with ourself and with who we are as a spiritual being, as well as a human being. I love it. And yeah, I would say my first deepening point that was significant was I really used to drink a lot. There was so much pain that it was what I used to numb. I just, I had to distract and really wasn't available to emotionally live fully alive in my life. And that got to a point where I realized I I just can't keep doing this. Something has to change. I was, I was showing up for my life and you probably wouldn't have known from the outside, but the inside was a whole different story. And I just felt like I couldn't keep going that way. I totally understand that. And it's interesting that you said it that way too, that you were, you kept going and that it wasn't necessarily going to be something that other people could observe, especially people probably in day-to-day life that maybe aren't super close to you, but they interact with you. For me at work, it was like, I had this whole other world that was crumbling in my life outside of my day-to-day needing to show up for the nine to five. So that feeling of understanding it while also not necessarily being able to change it in all aspects of your life or even highlight it to people who aren't on the in the inner circle is challenging sometimes yeah and I would even say the people in my inner circle didn't even know I did not have the language or the emotional understanding I just was really living in a trauma-based existence Mm -hmm. where it was very fight or flight all the time and it was just kind of get through like put on the smile, go out there and have a good time, but really not have any depth to any of the relationships I would imagine. I mean, there was perceived depth and I had close friends. I've always been very well received, but it was how I was receiving myself. Mm -hmm. That really was just out of alignment for when I think about who I am now compared to then, you know, that, that difference in, the quality of relationship with myself. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. What a wonderful way to put it. Out of alignment is such a brilliant turn of phrase for that too, because understanding myself so much more now, I feel so aligned and I feel so present with myself. And much like you were saying, when I was in a really bad relationship, cannabis is legal in Washington. And so like I would get on a phone call with my best friend for a couple of hours and I would just honestly like chain smoke joints as if it were like nothing. And it wasn't that I was so out of my head or anything. It was that I was not allowing myself to acknowledge the parts that were not aligned to me. I knew on a visceral level that the life I was living was not intended to be the life that I continue living. And it took a lot of self-awareness and reflection. And frankly, one of my friends flat out saying to me, you're asking for the bare minimum and you're not even getting that and realizing, I think I need to make a change. And so you obviously got to a point where you acknowledged that you weren't happy with where you were at. Was there like a specific event that kind of triggered that for you? Or was it more just kind of the collection of a variety of things that sent you in a different direction? I would say it's both. And what I loved about what you said was that piece where that part of you that knew, like you're living the bare minimum life but something inside you knew that this isn't the life you're living. Totally. Like that is for me, there was, I was living and something inside me just kept gently, sometimes not so gently, <laughs> right? Like yeah. calling me forward. And I, I didn't have a relationship with an or understanding of what that was. Mm -hmm. It was just something always pulled me forward or pushed me or drew me in the direction of something different. And sometimes I went willingly and sometimes I was kicking and screaming because it's not that fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big change is often uncomfortable even when it's a change that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The spiritual path or the being on this deep, deep endeavor I've had since I was a young kid. I My family didn't go to church. And at the time, that was really the only spiritual path that was available. So I found neighbors to go to church with because something in me had to go. And then I remember that family moved away and I sort of found another family to go with. And it wasn't until way later in my life reflecting on that, did I see that whole to know God inside me, mm -hmm. that I was just... I want, I was going to say randomly, but I know nothing is random. Right. Um, so that, that part of me that knew, so that spiritual path has been there. Your question was about, was there a defining moment? And I see it more. There's been a gradual pull and then specific things that happen that change the trajectory that I was on. And some of those things I believe I chose and other things it felt more like I was just, there wasn't another choice. Like I kind of had to do it. Mm -hmm. What I've learned though, is that we always have a choice and it's mm -hmm. that choice point that changes our world. Oh yeah. That's so powerful. I, when you said sometimes it would be like kicking and screaming, it, it, <laughs> it hits so close to home because 
when I was at this point where I was exiting this toxic relationship and I had just lost my mom, I say to people that I just said this to my wife the other day. It was like I lived a pretty typical life, grew up in the suburbs, nothing notably traumatic that would really send me down any sort of path. Um, had happened. I had lost a friend when I was 16 in a car accident. That was probably the most notable trauma that I could recall from being younger. But then I was in this really bad relationship that exploded around the same time that I lost my mom. And I said, I was just given a violent shove into the present. It was like, there is no alternate way of thinking about your reality. This is reality right now for you. You can't change the way that this all went down. So what you have to do is learn how to navigate it. And to learn how to navigate that meant that I had to get very uncomfortable with my own discomfort. And I had to allow myself to acknowledge, like you said, kind of those things that I felt called to instead of really what I'd done for most of my life, which is sort of following the expected path. I had always felt that there was a nudge, you know, and I, I love the way that you describe it too as feeling pulled towards something because. There is a very visceral knowing. And then there's also this, I think, sort of sense of um, self-limiting belief that comes into play where it's like, but why me? Why would I have a bigger life than this? Why would anybody care about the things that I'm doing or the things that I have to say? And so when you're coming, I think, especially when you're coming out of really traumatic situations, one of the biggest things that you need to learn how to do is trust yourself again or for the first time ever potentially. So then you can actually start to listen more to those things that have been calling you instead of just, as you said, we have free will, making the choices to go down these paths that maybe don't serve us, aren't in our best interest and don't fuel our souls. Do you feel like that was something that you were able to, through your own experiences, get more of a sense of how to be present in your body and with your mind because of those those pushes and those pulls and those moments of clarity that you were getting? Yeah, certainly. Like they are like how you went through that big life event is mm -hmm. the way that I yeah like to talk about them. We, I believe as a soul, we come here to grow and to evolve and not just evolve ourselves, but evolve as humans and evolve humanity. I believe we're all really just one that I, live I in different bodies. That. Yeah. So what happens to you happens to me. What I do to you, I do to me. And when you come from that place, that evolution becomes the focus and we can run and hide from the evolution or we can turn towards and face, which is what we have the choice to do in those moments. And what I've seen in people's lives is that you don't have to choose it. You can still run away that time, but it's going to come back again <laughs> and it's going to keep coming back and it's just going to have a different name, a different face, a different circumstance. But at the end of the day, the lesson underneath it is just going to be there until we are ready to look at it and to... One of the biggest teachings I've learned in the last few years is how the obstacle is actually the path. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a, that's profound. That feels really spot on. Yeah. Because it is by walking down the path towards the thing that is the hardest thing in our life 
that we gain the most. Yeah, it's interesting because you can look at that, I think, through a lot of different lenses. And with the work that you do and helping people, first of all, I think embodying it yourself in the way that you speak to it and the way that you show up in the world is trusting your intuition and being able to hone in on that part of yourself that understands even in those challenging circumstances, those big life events, whether they're good or bad, particularly when they're, or if nothing's good or bad, I guess is some somewhat the philosophy, but the things that feel bad, those moments <laughs> are, people fall into this sort of wayward victim mentality of it keeps happening to me, it keeps happening to me, it keeps happening to me. And yes, that's not to say that these aren't real life events that are occurring and impacting you in some way. You also have to establish that as you said, we're making choices throughout our lives that compound and ultimately drive us towards these other moments in our life. And I recognize now looking at how much my subdued but very present lack of self-worth contributed to me entering a relationship that wasn't good for me and continuing to try to make that work even though life was saying to me, get out. And it took me getting to a place where I could finally see what I needed to see in myself to be able to find a new path forward, to be able to have a different trajectory. And so it really, I think, when you consider the things that you know about yourself, what do you, do you feel like Sorry, I realized I just took myself on a little detour in my own brain there. No, but it was um, really good because I was like, I got something for you with okay, that. <laughs> perfect. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I think, you know, I'm wondering, like, I, I think I always knew that the relationship that I was in was wrong. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is it didn't matter that I knew that because I didn't have the information I needed to allow me to leave it. And that information was learning how to trust myself and how to love myself enough to say I'm deserving of more. and. Also, I want a different life for myself. So do you feel like in your own experience and or with people that you work with that you find that oftentimes there is this barrier because of that, <laughs> because of that relationship to self more than more than most other things? Yeah, there are a couple of threads there that I really loved. And one was about the victim and how it's very different to ourselves And the other thread was about how we're the creators of our life. And first I'll talk about the victim piece. (laughs) There's a victim archetype, right? That we is an energy on our planet. And I like to look at when we're in that role of playing the victim, where we're just really engaging with the victim archetype because I don't like to be like, oh, you're a victim. You're playing the victim. It's a way to depersonalize it for ourselves where we can have some space from this role that we're playing. Mm -hmm. We can see it as a role as opposed to, oh, poor me. To expand on that just for a second. I had a guest that I was speaking to in another episode who made the point that there's also a distinct difference between being a victim and being victimized or feeling like a victim and being victimized. So when you are 
on the receiving mm. end of ab abuse, you've been victimized, but you don't have to carry your victimhood with you. Right. And so yeah. to your point about making choices, like <laughs> that's the differentiating factor that we have to lean into or move away from when you are finally out of a situation like that. And I thought that was like a really good way of explaining it in the mindset. Cause I agree with you. I don't mm -hmm. want to victim blame or shame. I also think that we're accountable for the things that we want to and do actually change in our lives. Yeah. The word boundary comes in for me when you talk about being victimized mm -hmm. because yes, there is behavior energy that comes in and we can be the receiver of that. What do we do in that moment? Do we continue to allow that person to treat us this way? Or do we learn how to hold the boundary and say, I'm not available for this? Mm -hmm. But yeah, if we believe that. that we're a victim, then we will continue to let someone victimize us mm -hmm. because it's what we believe about ourselves. Yeah. And that's where that... I really love to play in the places where I'm the creator of everything in my life. If there is something in my life I don't like, I got to look at why I'm creating it mm -hmm. because it has nothing to do with anybody else. Right. Your reality looks entirely different to my reality because you see the world through your experiences and your beliefs. So you make the world you see mean what you make it mean. I see the world through what I make it mean. So mm -hmm. we can see the very same thing and have two totally different experiences because we see it through our different filters. Yeah. So if I'm looking out into the world thinking everybody's out to get me and that I'm a victim, that's the lens that I'm choosing to look through that day. And it's about my beliefs. Mm -hmm. So in that place, that's where we come to claiming our power. Because then nothing outside of me, no circumstance can dictate who I am. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. I love the way that you just said that. It's such a perfect summation too, because we can't control a lot of circumstances that will occur in our lives. And I think I read this when we had last spoken about just that feeling of wanting to control things, because when you feel so out of control with the things in your life, especially if you've experienced some deep form of trauma that part of what you feel like you need to reclaim your power is this feeling of like, what can I control? What's mine? What do I, what can I grab yeah. onto that makes me feel stable? That makes me feel safe and secure when in reality, it's actually learning to not feel that need to control it. That will give you a better sense of safety and security because as you said, you can help dictate circumstances in your own life, of course, by the choices you make. But if you are walking through the world, looking at it as I can't control this, therefore it controls me, you're going to have a much different perspective. And you're going to, in my own experience, you're going to struggle more because it feels like you're almost constantly in a state of lack where it's like you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know you can't control things rather than accepting that you can't always control things. Yeah. Yeah. And again, as you're talking, the word boundaries comes in because I think, again, lack of boundaries makes me need to have more control because I don't have any boundaries to keep the stuff out or people out or the circumstances out because my boundaries don't exist. So everything floods in and yeah. I don't have any control over anything now. So I've got to micromanage my whole entire life just trying to exist. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I have really clear boundaries about who I am, 
who I trust, who I don't, how I'm supported, how I'm not, how I love myself. Those boundaries are the thing that keep all of life just flowing. There's the acceptances inside there because I live within the parameters of what I create. Nobody else. Yeah. I love the focus on boundaries too. It's so relevant. I think it's so relevant for so many people. And it's something that I feel like we weren't taught well enough. I think that when I'm 37, so when I was growing up, I feel like the concept of boundaries was present-ish. The obvious things about you don't want to bully or be accept being bullied. Little things like, not little things, but things like that that are blanket boundaries that we all expect mm-hmm. to learn or teach some point in time in our lives. But the thing that I found as an adult and in doing the work to understand myself more was how I was so willing to give that I didn't understand that meant I didn't have boundaries that I needed to have because I saw my ability and my desire to give to people so willingly as a good thing that I couldn't grasp that my doing that created this really, in retrospect, quite honestly, a lot of desperation that then allowed people to take advantage of me too. And it left me constantly in this state of feeling like, a lot of unrequited love that I wrote many, many poems about, right? And this feeling of like, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, and I'm not receiving this in the same way, or I'm not feeling connected the way I want to feel connected. And what's really, I think, challenging sometimes with that is to look at who we are and be forced to acknowledge setting boundaries is not something that we have to feel bad about. We need to feel good about setting boundaries because that helps show people where our limits are and it helps tell us where our limits are. And sometimes you don't even know what your boundary needs to be until you realize that somebody's crossed it or you've crossed it. And so I feel like it's such an important topic and the way that we discuss boundaries now is so much more prevalent. But I also love that the way you're referring to it is a little bit different than I feel like the way I've maybe thought about it historically, where it's like you create boundaries to make sure that like people are like you're managing outwardly no, as opposed to managing yourself inward. Mm -hmm. That's a really that change. Yeah, that changed everything for me, because to me, boundaries were about keeping people under control, right? Because it was another way to control my environment. And then I learned that what boundaries actually do is they let more love in. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to receive so much more because I, when I really dug in deep, I was terrified to receive love, money, you name it, right? Like love, like I just, so long as you keep everything out here, you can try to control it. I can be safe. I can predict And it's like, none of that is, it's all an illusion. None of that is really like possible. Yeah. And so when the boundaries were really about me and what I was okay with, it allowed for so much more to come in Mm -hmm. and my receiving grew. So I'm curious, are you willing to share, you know, what it was, or at least in part, what it was that made you feel like you needed that control or needed to like manage things as much as you were trying to versus like coming to that place of acceptance and letting things flow. 
Are you asking like why I lived in that sort of state or what changed it? Why you lived in that sort of state? What was the, um, if you look back on your life, how you developed that as a mechanism, I guess. Yeah, really early, early childhood. I, my father was undiagnosed bipolar. He was abusive to my mom. Mm -hmm. She had drinking as a coping mechanism and it was just a lot of chaos. Mm -hmm. And so the little kid inside me really felt unsafe. Yeah, of course. And she really needed to control everything she could because I was also the protector of our family. Mm -hmm. So those things got put in place like really early, you know, five, six years old, probably even earlier. But the things that I remember and the place I've been able to mine for all the goodness and gold and medicine is more in the years that I can remember and the experiences. Yeah. So it, it was most of my life that I, the most of my remembered life. And it wasn't, gosh, until my thirties that I realized like, oh, you, you can be different. That's do, when it, do something about this. <laughs> it, and you know, it's really magical when you realize that you can too, because I remember talking to my therapist early on and having her ask me something about my childhood. And like, I grew up in a very loving home. I knew my parents loved me. I also was closeted for a good portion of my life. And so it wasn't until recently that I really thought about how much that weighed on me in my young life, that I had this secret from like everybody that I knew and everybody that I loved. And to feel like you have to go back and ask, why didn't I feel safe to talk about those things when I was younger? Why didn't I have the trust in my family or whatever? So those remembered parts of our lives that we can actually access and go back to is something that I feel like a lot of people don't want to do because now you got to go back and deal with it. Of course we don't want to. Nobody's like, you know what I'd really love to do? (laughs) Go explore my past trauma (laughs) while I'm trying to get over it. Like it's not, it feels very counterintuitive, but Mm -hmm. it's also that whole premise of you have to name it and you have to sit with it to be able to work with it. And I think that's something that you mentioned also in some of the content of yours that I was reading is that it's about learning to work with life and fight with it instead of against it. And so I'm curious from your standpoint, if that was something that really came out of your recognition around the importance of boundaries. And that is that kind of maps to your thoughts on like letting that flow happen. Yeah. And um, it's another way how we were talking. The obstacle is the path. Mm -hmm. That's the obstacle. Like we might be having an experience in our life now, today, with our children, with our partner, with our boss. If we haven't, and and it's all of us, I don't believe that it's just the people that have experienced trauma. I think as humans, we're here to evolve. There are going to be things that have happened in our life that they may be small compared to some of the tragedy that happens to some people. But trauma a a definition that I love of trauma, and it's not a clinical definition, but it talks about how trauma is just when the nervous system had to process something alone. Wow. And so that could be really small or it could be gigantic, Mm -hmm. but what makes it 
live inside us for years and years and years is that we were alone. We did not have somebody supporting us, right? In that moment to hold us, to hug us, to let us talk about it, to inquire, to let us know we're safe. Mm -hmm. We were alone with this thing. Mm -hmm. And then I have goosebumps just talking about it because it lives in our nervous system until we go and be with that part of ourselves. Yeah. And then that part is no longer alone. Mm -hmm. And then the trauma has a chance to transmute and transform. I, gosh, I, your perspective is just so incredible, Sarah. I feel like incredibly enlightened having conversations with you, especially because I think one of the things that can be really challenging for people, and I say this as somebody who very much of my, a lot of my life, I grew up Catholic. I never felt connected to religion. I, didn't really ever have a strong sense of spirituality historically. And since just before losing my mom, I had started to really approach spirituality and just the universal connectedness overall with more of an open mind. And the way that you speak about these things and the need to be connected to yourself while also blending that with the sense of oneness and at the root of it, the humanity of it in our humanly experience of our that our spirits are having it makes it so accessible it makes it so palatable and i feel like if people were able to really relinquish these societal expectations around what we have to believe and what we have to feel or do in whatever life path we choose and we just focused really on this on like what is it that I need, and not in a selfish self-care way, not selfish in you're dismissing everybody else, but I don't think it's a bad thing to be selfish. I don't think it's a bad thing to be focused on the things that we need because when we do what you're talking about, we're becoming better for every single person around us, as you pointed out earlier, because our energy reflects onto each other. And because you have this light about you and this ability to communicate in such a really distinct way with really memorable sound bites is it just really makes me want to help people see more clearly how important it is to go inward because I talk about it very much in a therapeutic way because that's my most of my experience has been I'm working through my shit in therapy and so (laughs) that's how I think about it but because my wife is more spiritually minded I've leaned into that a lot more and I've found so much grace and gratitude and peace in thinking about the way we are all connected and the way that we can show up differently and how that can have a ripple effect. And you mentioned at one point, I wrote down something that you had written that finding my way back to my true self has been a path of initiation by fire, one where everything from my old life had to burn in devotion to the life I came here to live. And I just read that and I was like, Yes. <laughs> it's so true. And I think part of what we fear is you have to burn it down sometimes. You have to let whatever you thought it was going to be not be that. And so I was wondering, could you elaborate a little bit on on what that means to you and how that connects to how you've gotten to where you are in so far as really learning to trust your intuition? Because I think being willing to let it burn that's the that's one of the really big starting points in learning to trust yourself. You have to know that it's going to be okay even while you're watching it go down in flames. Yeah. 
And I would say to even deepen that is that you don't always know that what's going to be on the other side, right? Like I'd love to say, well, I let it burn because I just knew everything was going to be okay. <laughs> that would While be nice. it's burning, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really fair point. Thank you for saying that. Yes, correct. Yeah. I I I aspire to someday to be like, oh yeah, it's burning, you know? <laughs> and and I think I am way better at that. And actually what what's coming through to say is that I'm inside of a practice with fire at the moment. And this fire practice is intentionally designed to be the growth part of what happens from fire, right? If you think of a forest fire, yes, it decimates, but what happens? The ash becomes so fertile that Mm -hmm. that forest can grow 10 times as better as it was Mm -hmm. because that, that power that fire initiates of growth. And for me, the way, what I was specifically alluding to in what you wrote was this journey that I've been inside of for, I'd say the last four years where I was in a marriage that was not good for me anymore. There was a level of emotional abuse and, but I have young children and I had these beliefs that tell me that I couldn't leave. You know, I had left my career to follow this passion, but at that that time, this passion was not paying for itself. It was just a passion. <laughs> yep, yep, I get that. <laughs> and um I really thought I couldn't leave. I allowed my circumstances to tell me that I couldn't live the life that I wanted to live, which was a life outside of that marriage. And I stayed for many reasons and it really became apparent that I was doing the bare minimum, like choosing the bare minimum life inside of that. And I was doing my best to create it as amazing as I could, but there's only so much you can do when I wasn't in my inner authority. I wasn't standing for my boundaries. I was letting circumstances tell me that this is what's available and you don't have a pathway out. And I've always been a person of possibilities. Like it's just, it's part of my human design. It's how I look at the lens. I look at the world through, there's not a problem. There's a possibility, you know, like that's just who I am. And I had let myself get to this place where I couldn't, I was having a hard time holding on to that part of me, but it was there, right? Still like pushing, come on, come on. And I really dug into looking at those signs that were coming to me from the universe. And I had to build a level of trust that I hadn't ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. And it, the way like sacrificing something in service or in devotion to the life that you're supposed to live. And I was like, I could have told myself that I could have stuck it out until the kids went away to school. Or until I make enough money where I can afford to leave or until, right. I had all these things telling me why I had to stay. And it eventually that part was like, you have to just go, you have to jump off the cliff and let everything burn. 
that marriage had to burn the house I loved. I had to leave. I had to burn the fantasy of having a family that was this particular way Mm -hmm. and see my kids half time and not know if I was going to get money for my divorce. Like Mm -hmm. there was so much of uncertainty and it be it um rather than looking at it as, as uncertainty that i couldn't control there was a moment when i decided that what if it was the mystery and i started to look at it that way and then when i really was guided to let something burn i did like i ended up having to file for divorce we were trying to mediate And it was just, I was so out of my power, so disempowered by the whole thing, but I was scared to file because I didn't want to lose my kids or lose this money or, and eventually I just, I called the attorney. I'm like, okay, I need to file. And then I'm like, I don't know, the next day I called her back. No, 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 wait, wait. (laughs) And then I like, and then the next day I called her back. Okay. I'm really ready. And I mean, it was just like. I just had to walk. I had to keep showing up, even though I didn't know what was going to happen. And I had to trust so deeply in my ability to create my life and in the support that we have when we choose something bigger, when we Mm -hmm. choose to walk into that fire and let something different happen. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate your openness and your vulnerability. Having gone through the pains of making a decision to leave, finding reasons to justify why I couldn't or shouldn't. It's definitely a lot of inner turmoil and you're very much, at least in my experience, constantly, it's a point of rationalization. You're trying to rationalize something that can't internally be rationalized. There is a rational component to it, right? Like if you're not being treated well, you're not happy, like you need to leave. That's the rational part of it. There's this other part of you and obviously both being empathic people that like you're not just considering how this affects you. You're considering how this affects other people. You're considering how this affects various parts of your life. But it makes me think about how um, I had started this podcast because I was feeling really like I needed to seek my purpose. And I remember saying to my therapist, you know, I, I don't know what I know I'm meant to connect with people, but I don't really know what that looks like yet. And part of why I ended up, I truly believe probably didn't leave my ex sooner was because I was able to gain some of that inner authority back in having conversations with guests through the podcast where I was getting that fulfillment, that feeling that purpose, understanding myself more through the stories that people like yourself are sharing with me and being able to say like, okay, like this is fulfilling me. This is bringing me the energy that I want. And this part of my life is coming together. And it, to some degree, honestly, allowed me to be willfully ignoring the other red flags that were still very much there because I just honed in my focus on the part that I could control. And so when I got to a place where I knew that much like yourself, like it was no longer an option. I need to go. I need to make the choice. It was really powerful to have that moment of, I trust myself. I don't need to think about like the what ifs. I got railroaded financially. It was super tumultuous. I wasn't treated well during the divorce in the moments that my mom had just passed away. It's like 
there was nothing that I could do in any of those moments that would have made it any easier. And so the only thing that I could do, as you pointed out, is walk into the fire and trust that there is something that is going to come of this that will, it will never erase the things that have happened, but it will help in retrospect, I think, look at some of those things and understand the timing of those events, the sequence of those events. And knowing that like I met my now wife, this beautiful human being who encouraged me to start up my podcast again after I'd taken a year off, like those things all came together and they swirled up in a big tornado that like, I wasn't sure how things were going to land. And it was like, now I can say with a lot more confidence that when something that feels bad happens or a circumstance happens the way that I wouldn't have planned or didn't want it to, that I have far more faith in my ability to manage through that than I would have before all of those events happened. Because when you don't experience things in a way that, as we've said, like really forces you to go into it, then, you know, it is that you're that much more resistant because you haven't learned to trust yourself and it is still very much an unknown. And I, I just, I really admire how you're able to speak to those experiences and the way that you approach life coming out of them, because it creates this sense of, I think, community for me also in hearing those stories and knowing that we all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel a sense of relatability and I think sometimes those moments where you are forced to walk into the fire can feel really isolated. And so when you can share your experiences in a way that gives that sense of like, you are seen, you are heard, that that in its own way, I think starts to build trust as well. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, what it's making me remember or think of is when I first started on the journey in a significant way of under going in with me, like there's got to be another way kind of thing. I had a therapist's card and a friend of mine had given it to me and I had it in my wallet for a full year before I had the courage to call. And from the very first session, it was life-changing. And I worked with that therapist for a year, every other week for a year. And I was a different person at the end of that year. And I say this story because of what you were saying, like feeling alone, feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't walk through the fire. This is too much. People won't understand or all of that is, is not true. <laughs> we all understand. We have that ability to witness each other and be with each other in these deep ways mm -hmm. when we can be with ourselves in those ways. And we're here to help each other. So reaching out and calling that person that is for you will start to change things. And then the next person comes in or, you know, sometimes on my podcast, people will ask, how do I find that support? And what I've always done, it's the way I've always found support is that I just say, hey, I'm ready. Can you send somebody? Not, I mean, I probably even did inadvertently in that very first time, right? I probably said to my friend, hey, this is kind of hard. And she's like, oh, well, here you go. Every person I've worked with has come to me through some channel 
that was unexpected. You are so spot on, Sarah. It's so (laughs) true. Yeah. It's so interesting because I really, I feel like there were these moments, like my wife and I met as friends and I was very explicit that I wasn't looking to be in a relationship. And I was convinced that it was the wrong time for me to be in a relationship as well, because I was literally just starting my divorce process because I had left and mentally checked out, emotionally checked out a long time ago, but the actual paperwork started getting done around the time that we met and my mom had passed away. And I'm thinking like, but I expected, you know, if I lost my mom that because I was married at the time that I would have somebody who was there to be supportive to me in that loss with uh, among that loss. I asked for that and I got that. I just (laughs) didn't get it from the person I thought I wanted it from. And the thing is that person couldn't have given me a fraction of what I really needed. And the universe was like, we know that here's this other person. They're going to fit right in. Just let it happen. And it forced me to acknowledge the parts of myself where I historically would have felt more desperate, more needing to really be cognizant of I'm not trying to force anything, what I need from this person right now. And not in a way where I was soliciting it that way, but just that it organically was happening that way. What I need from this person is somebody to talk to, somebody to connect with, somebody to feel like they're there and they hear me and they want to be involved in my life after feeling alone in a relationship for over a decade. And so that, the way that I've connected with friends in my life, there's just so much power, as you've said, we are here to help each other. And my wife and I were actually just talking about this last night. I'm such a firm believer that like, if we lead with kindness, there's so much more opportunity for us to be able to not only live better lives for ourselves, but to share better lives as humanity and within this world. And I think part of what you're speaking about here too, in addition to trusting yourself, is being kind to yourself in those moments when it feels really hard. And knowing that even though sometimes we're challenged and we don't necessarily know what the best response is, a lot of times we're not going to have a great response, especially if it's the first time you're going through something and you're like, this is new and I'm not handling it well. But like, do you think that part of what has helped you on your journey and helps you when you're working with people is to help them recognize how to treat themselves better as well, in addition to trusting themselves? Yeah, it's a huge part of one of the things I like to say is if you talk to yourself or treat yourself, or sorry, it's if you talk to your friends or treated your friends the way you treat yourself, would you have friends? (laughs) I've often heard the reverse (laughs) of that. And I kind of like it better the way you just said it, because that's a much more powerful feeling of, ooh, (laughs) probably not. Yeah. (laughs) And um, as you know, you're on the journey. It's a deepening, right? You open up something and then you go in and you investigate and then you find another layer. And I lived inside of my personal growth work for a long time with the idea that I was trying to fix myself. There's something wrong. And once I fix this, then I can be okay. Oh, but look there. Oh, now I see you. Oh, (laughs) Well, when I fix that, then I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's just ongoing. And even after being on the path for, gosh, 15 years, I was still somewhere in the back there holding on to that 
idea that just this one other thing, once I get that sorted, well, then I'm okay. And it was so beautiful when I started learning the practices that are more along the lines of the worst thing I think about me is actually the best. And how do I make that real? Like, how do I make that true for me? What are the things that I don't like about myself that I wish away? I actually should bring them closer. Those are the pieces to cherish. Those are the places where the true freedom lives. It's inside everything I don't like about myself. So rather than trying to fix it, what if I just welcomed it? What if I just allowed this to be me? Oh, I'm messy in those areas. Oh, that's actually a great gift because, and I find, I look at it from that perspective Mm -hmm. as opposed to continuing to hunt for what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I start hunting for what's right about me. That's such a great way of looking at it. And I think that's so liberating in a way too, to be able to think of it that way. It's funny because the thing that I, I feel like I appreciate the most about myself can also be the thing that's most highly criticized about me. So it's the fact that I talk a lot. I love talking to people. I like engaging in conversation. I wouldn't do this if I didn't. And I also know that I have to sometimes say in meetings, especially when I'm working in tech and things like that, where it's like, I mean, I know that I am nothing if not verbose. So if you want it pared down, like you're going to need to give me real directives on how much you want me to say, because I understand that it can be overwhelming. The pace at which I speak, the amount that I speak, the volume at which I speak. And I also know that that is somehow my greatest gift. So if people have a problem with it, I need to be okay with that because I'm not going to not be proud and own that other part of myself. And granted, I know you're also speaking to things that maybe we don't cherish about ourselves at present and want to be able to either dismiss or dissolve within ourselves. And there's little things where it's like just acknowledging that I know that I can be messy and I at least promise myself that I will make sure that if somebody's coming over, that shit gets cleaned up, but I'm not going to fully change. I'm never going to be the person that's totally organized. I've tried. I'm not successful and that's okay. And I think to your point, it's like, we've sort of been conditioned about there is this way to be. And if you are not that way, you are somehow wrong. And it can be on a really profound level and it can be on a like little organizational way. I keep my house kind of level. And I think that the way that you invite people in to look at that and as you said, investigate it with grace is so valuable because that inner critic is the driver of all those things that we're talking about. It's like you are creating your life around the decisions that you're making and the way that you feel about yourself. And if you are constantly berating yourself for things that you may or may not even change, you're going to perpetuate that sense of, I don't have the life that I want or I'm not happy with my life. What would you recommend as the first step for someone who wants to explore what it means to really trust their inner authority more and their intuition more, but maybe doesn't know where to begin. Because I think it can be really daunting, especially if you don't have an inherent feeling that there is something there, but the door's gotten cracked open and you want to understand. I believe in experience that 
so often we deflect and we say, I'm not intuitive. Oh, I wish I had done something different. Or we have all these kind of things that we tell ourselves that negate our true intuitive wisdom. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a person that I have spoken to that comes on my podcast or is a client or even just friends out in the world that they don't know already. They don't validate themselves. They don't trust that they know. And then that's where it comes like, oh, I don't trust. I don't know. I don't trust or whatever the mechanism is we've put in place that we perpetuate to tell ourselves that we don't know. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, the person already knows. They just want someone to give them permission to do the thing that they want to do because they're afraid to actually do it because everything, pretty much everything changes, right? When we start following that internal voice, our life has to change. We can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing. And that's actually the thing that is most scary. It's not learning to trust your intuition. It's not learning to look at the skeletons in the closet. It's the fact that you actually, your life will change. <laughs> and I just, that just downloaded right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's. Yeah. <laughs> when we started this conversation being like, you believe in divine timing. So this happened when it was supposed to happen. And that along with all the other, as I said, nuggets of wisdom that you've speckled throughout the episode, that if we only got one of them, I think that's it. <laughs> you know, because if one of those things happens, then your life changes, especially if you are elevating your life and you're moving forward in a direction that you really desire to move into. You feel nervous about even leaving behind the discomfort because the discomfort feels comfortable. Yeah. And that's just such a a mind fucky thing for like a better phrase, but it's like, you're like, I don't like the way that it is and I do want it to change, but if it changes, that's going to stress me out. Yeah. Thanks. That's yeah. helpful. <laughs> I know on that uncomfortable piece, I remember years ago, I heard somebody saying the only difference between me and a successful person and define success, however you would love, mm -hmm. is that a successful person is willing to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And true. I was like, oh, I got to start practicing that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I very much agree with that. It's so wise too, to really consider it from that angle as well, because the fact that you said define success, however you love, it translates to any scenario. Mm-hmm it really makes me think about how important it is to understand like what your threshold is and what that tolerance that you have for that discomfort is and knowing that it can and it should take time to get there. It's not a flip the switch and now I've decided everything in my life can change. I'm just going to move forward, clean slate. It's getting to a place where you can first sit with the discomfort within yourself and then mm -hmm. you can expand on that and the way I like to describe it is if you want to start pulling the thread and asking those hard questions of yourself, you can start pulling it, but you don't have to keep pulling it until you get every answer, right? You can put it down and walk away and come back to it if you want to, or you never have to again. But 
don't be afraid to tug at that thread if you're getting that feeling like it's something that would help you move forward. Yeah, I love that analogy. And it actually reminds me that when I was in the beginning stages of really going deep with a lot of these traumatic things and deciding to change my relationship with alcohol, I couldn't just be all in all the time. There had to be a pulling back, a processing, a reintegrating into life because I was changing. So the life, the fabric of the life that held me didn't hold me anymore because now I'm a different person interacting with that reality. So there was this need to pull back and then take a break and then, okay, now I'm ready again. What's the course? Who's the person? And it was that ebb and flow of really looking at myself and then taking integration time. Now it's different. There's still integration time and, but it's very different because my whole life is now in devotion to how much more of me is available to live my life. And I'm always showing up to every moment that I can, the fullness of me in my life. I'm always looking for those unconscious patterns when they show up. And then I'm with them in those moments to bring them to consciousness. Now my whole life is a flow of growth. But I didn't start there. It's really incredible how you just explained that too, because I was going to ask about the importance of integrating these parts of ourselves and how that plays a role in our ability to show up fully because we have to acknowledge it and then we have to do the work around it so then we can pull it all together. And I hope that anybody listening, if any of this has resonated with you, if you feel like you want more information, please check out Sarah's podcast, The Modern Day Intuitive. And also you can learn more about her at sarahnoble.com. But I more than anything want to say that make sure that you check in with yourself and that you're getting what you need. And if you're ignoring the things that you need and you do have that nudge that Sarah talked about at the beginning, like pay attention to that. Ask yourself why it's there and give yourself time to find that answer. And it's not going to be, it's most likely not going to be cut and dry, at least from what I've heard (laughs) and experienced, but it starts with one thing and conversations like this, Sarah, really just further inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing and to learn more about the type of work that you're doing as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly been a pleasure and just, I've just enjoyed this so much. Yeah, absolutely. And could you tell our listeners where they might be able to find you on social media? I'm at the Modern Day Intuitive on Facebook and on Instagram. Awesome. And I do have, I created a gift, a free gift on my website called Ignite Your Intuition. If anybody's interested in getting a little deeper. (laughs) Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at who the FCK underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. 
today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. <laughs> 